0: Welcome to Mrs. Flick's Picks, where busy moms can find the best books for their kids. Join me in my mission to cultivate children's moral imagination through good stories beautifully written. Hello, and welcome back to Mrs. Flick's Picks. I am Carrie Flick, and it is a joy to have you with me today. Today is going to be the first of a two-part series that I've been wanting to get to for a while, and that is on quality books in the fantasy genre. Obviously, the fairy tale has been popular for hundreds of years, but it seems to me that fantasy has soared in popularity within just my lifetime. I think between the Harry Potter and the Twilight series combined with Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings movies, tweens and teens developed a craze for alternate worlds and magical thinking. And honestly, that's totally understandable. The tween and teen years are rough, and everyone goes through a stage of feeling awkward and uncomfortable in their own skin. Friendships are often mixed up with feelings of insecurity and loneliness. The idea of escaping into another world, away from the stresses of this one, is appealing. But there are certain universal principles that are true of all worlds. And one of them is the virtue of humility. It would seem that regardless of whether you are in Middle Earth, or the planet Tatooine, or simply in a land far, far away, pride goes before a fall. And the greatest of heroes have not only learned that lesson the hard way, it is one that makes them a much greater hero than they ever were before. Why do tweens and teens need humility if they already struggle so much with insecurity? Because insecurity and low self-esteem isn't humility at all. It's vanity. As C.S. Lewis wrote in Mere Christianity, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Our young readers don't need to boost their self-confidence by slipping into a fantasy realm where they can be gorgeous and invincible. They need to shift their focus away from themselves entirely to find the real joy of self-forgetfulness. And an excellent book can be just a tool to help them get there. Today's books are going to be aimed at the later elementary and middle school age kids, and the next episode will feature books for high school students. I am sorry, I don't have any picture book selections for the next couple weeks, but I promise to get back to the normal swing of things after this. All right, well, my first pick today is Lloyd Alexander's The Remarkable Journey of Prince Jen. This book takes place in an unnamed fantastical country, but it's described clearly as being what we would label Asian in its culture and customs. Hoping to fulfill his father's deepest desire to gain wisdom in ruling his country, Prince Jen sets out with his trusted servant and a large contingent of soldiers to seek the rumored realm of Tianqiu, where the citizens are prosperous and happy and the king rules with all wisdom and justice. Taking the counsel of an old wise man, Prince Jin takes six gifts to present to Tianqiu's famous king, but they are of a most unusual variety. A dusty saddle, an old sword, a wooden flute, a simple bowl, a child's kite, and a paint set. From almost the very beginning, Prince Jen's mission is thwarted at every turn. Very quickly, he finds himself lost, stranded, hungry, and without his army. In all of his setbacks and struggles, he mixes with his royal subjects and sees significant injustices and oppression. But it isn't until he comes face to face with a villain of epic proportions that he realizes how helpless his situation truly is, and how little his royal title can help him now. Prince Jin is a naturally kind character. He doesn't start out as an arrogant, demanding prince, but he has lived his whole life within the palace grounds and has studied all of the principles and ideas of virtue without ever having opportunity to practice them and certainly never to sacrifice anything of himself to practice them. He is an expert in the letter of the law, if you will, but knows nothing of the spirit of the law. In his journey, he is broken down, bit by bit, until he is a shell of a man. But because he dies to himself as he dies physically, He is able to be reborn as everything a prince truly ought to be. Not just naturally kind-hearted, but one willing to pay a very high price to be kind and just to others. This is a very fast-paced book. Every chapter is action-driven. Your boys, especially, will love it for that reason. And the chapters are also quite short. I was genuinely surprised by the plot throughout the book. And I thought how each of the six gifts are used was very cleverly done by the author. Again, this would be a great choice for readers 10 and up. Next up is an old classic, originally published in 1962, and one that is very dear to my heart. And that is A Wrinkle in Time by Madeleine Le this is the first book of a trilogy, with the two follow-up books being A Wind in the Door and A Swiftly Tilting Planet, and I highly recommend reading the entire trilogy, especially as Wrinkle ends on somewhat of a cliffhanger. The story focuses on Meg Murray and her literal genius younger brother, Charles Wallace, whose father disappeared some time ago. Mr. Alex Murray was a brilliant scientist performing very secretive experiments and research, when one day he vanished without a trace. Meg is deeply angry and hurt at this state of affairs, and she refuses to accept the fact that her father is never coming back. She also refuses to adjust to a new normal now that he is gone. But when three mysterious magical beings appear one night, and whisk Meg and Charles Wallace away to another dimension. It turns out that Meg's temper and determination may be just the qualities needed for her and her brother to find her father and save his life. But Meg discovers that her journey cannot be for her father alone. She must fight to save the universe from a horrifying darkness, an evil that can be seen and felt. This evil force is threatening the life of not just her father, but every good and beautiful thing. Meg's love for her father is fierce. But if she is to be successful in her efforts, she will also need to learn patience, self-control, and, you guessed it, humility. This is high fantasy, with time travel and space travel alternate dimensions, and angelic beings that look like winged centaurs. In places, it feels like the Twilight Zone, and other parts are almost dystopian. I love Leangle's fantasy, because she was a Christian, and her worlds are never ones that exist outside God's sovereignty. Although I wouldn't label A Wrinkle in Time as Christian fiction, Leangle certainly doesn't hide the fact that God is the definer of good. And all that is beautiful owes its beauty to God. I've read this one several times, and it strikes different notes with me every season of life. And I think your kids will come back to it for rereads, too. Okay, my last pick for you all is a relatively new book published in 2020 by Cannonball Books, which is the children's literature arm of Cannon Press. I first saw it advertised over on Canon's page a while ago, and finally got to read it last year, and it is just so good. This is the book that was part of the giveaway this month, and I'm so excited for that lucky recipient. The book is The Winter King by Christine Cohen. The story opens in the midst of a village's festival preparations to receive their god, the Winter King whose arrival inaugurates the village's grueling time of fatally cold temperatures, impassable snowy roads, and, at least for the poorer folk, the threat of starvation. Sixteen-year-old Korra belongs to that poorer class, at least ever since the death of her father. While the village high priest, or alderman, blamed Korra's father for his own death as being a judgment from the Winter King, Korra, in her turn, has blamed the god himself. She refuses to respect, let alone worship, a god so cold and cruel, so tyrannical as to punish his people unjustly. Korra sees the winter king as being just as hateful as the season he ushers in. Unfortunately for Korra, it would seem the king is not through punishing her family, Her mother loses her position, causing a significant blow to the family's income and chances of survival until spring. Out of desperation, or so she believes, Cora uses creative but less than moral means of helping provide for her struggling family. When she discovers a hidden magical book that supposedly contains the secret of the Winter King's power and weaknesses she determines to do whatever it takes to use this knowledge against the god himself to hopefully be free from his tyranny once and for all. But as her secret schemes and manipulative lies progress, the reader may very well wonder who exactly is the villain of this story. Christine Cohen has done a phenomenal job following the tradition of C.S. Lewis in his Chronicles of Narnia and Till We Have Faces in retelling the story of Christ, not in an allegory, but in a new world. Cora's world is one of ghosts and magical wolves and terrifying undead, but the gospel narrative is still there. Some of the characters look a little different. But just as we recognize Aslan the lion for who he is in our world, so you will recognize Christ in Cora's. But of course, the really wonderful thing is when Cora recognizes him for herself. I said this episode was going to feature middle school appropriate books, and this one definitely fits the bill. But I think it will engage younger teens as well. And that wraps up this week's picks. Thank you to everyone who participated in the giveaway. Hopefully we'll have another one later this year. And until next time, happy reading.